Hello, Sam. Hello, Andy. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry for yelling inside your house. Oh, jeez. I'm still recovering from the partying last night. Oh, man. How, uh... So what, what was your favorite sight from yesterday's uh, pro-Biden-Harris parade celebration? The favorite sight? Like, uh, how do you mean? Oh, anything that happened or anything you saw, anything you heard initially uh, that will that'll stick with you? I... I was getting some cup of coffee at my local place, and I saw a FedEx truck just blaring, like, two of the knob to 11, fuck Donald Trump by yes! I was like, yes! yes, that was amazing. That was my memory, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not well, that. Also, writing into you was another great moment. That was a great moment. That was a great moment. Um, but, yeah, not I didn't see the FedEx truck, but as we, we did a little walk, um, uh, around Clark Street, around our our, our shared neighborhood, yeah, yeah. Uh, where there's like yeah, just such a crazy impromptu party uh, and parade happening um, in celebration of Biden being elected president officially, and oh god, we heard so much. We heard Cool in the Gang celebration a bit, <laughs> yep, which yep. you know a cliche, but I completely at fault too because as soon as I learned that was the first song I pulled up on the phone. Yeah, my I was woken up to my roommates playing that. I was like, <laughs> that, I was woken up to the victory sounds of Biden winning. And I was like, that's and, a great way to great yeah, clock. It was between that and um and some songs from Hamilton, and then yeah, <laughs> and then fuck Donald Trump being blared from various speakers. And after God. at a certain point, we like at the, after like the third car came by with that song playing <laughs> Colette and I just would always like look to the car, like raise our fists in solidarity and go and sing in rhythm. Like, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> it got the best was like us. We were leaving the whole festivity. We were going down a side street and another car just happened to be driving by, you know, traffic was traffic. And they were just, there's this one woman in the car. She was just singing quietly and fuck Donald Trump was playing. And we just <laughs> did the same thing to her. Like just us two, Curves like, hey, fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. And like these other older white women were just like on the street too, just started laughing at us and being like, oh, it's that kind of day. What a day it was. What a day it was. And now we've got so many more months of dealing with this lame fuck. Oh, the entire time that the celebration was happening, there was still like a moment in my head that like, I, I, con- I was constantly reminded like, wait, he hasn't conceded yet. <laughs> and he might not concede, which, which, which I, I can't wait to see the Aaron Sorkin movie based off that. That's oh going to be great. Uh, oh, yeah. I still got to watch Trial Chicago 7. But anyway, hey, speaking of watching movies, welcome to this edition of Film Mary Kill. I mean, uh, you're Andy Mitchell. You're Sam Lounsbury. <laughs> Okay, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, Sam. I won't. Not even you, Andy. <laughs> okay, uh, we're two dorks and film nerds who. Uh, film. We're film nerds. Film shit. We're Schernerfurls, <laughs> and we enjoy talking to each other every week about what movies we watch and forcing each other to rate them with games of fuck, Mary, kill. Um, Sam, obviously, anything uh, besides uh, the great Saturday we had. I imagine that the rest of the week was. I don't know, tense, nerve-wracking? I, I mean, I, I was in a uh, in my room, locked up, just endlessly trying to avoid election coverage. And what I did was uh, and I, I just marathoned every David Cronenberg movie on Criterion. Oh, wow. And, and watched an even scarier movie, Hubie Halloween. Uh, <laughs> 
we'll get to that later. But uh, sure will. I, I did that and just like avoided so much of it just by diving deeper and deeper into my list of all the streaming services I follow. Yeah. And uh, boy, it it didn't help. But <laughs> uh, how was your how was your week? Uh, uh same. Week? Pretty kind of. Um, was tense and nervous um, mm-hmm. on election day itself. Uh, I remember uh, signing on to work Slack and being like, hey guys, let's not destroy democracy today. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Um, and then just like watching, which I try to avoid election coverage. We might talk about some of these movies, but I ended up trying to like find comfort food uh, where I could. I, ended, I watched uh, David Byrne's American Utopia um, and I watched Duck Soup, the Marx Brothers movie, which... <laughs> Um, you know, just as one of the great comedic concepts of all time, just what if the, a country was run by Groucho Marx? <laughs> and then I, I, I can't say I finished it, uh, which is why I didn't put a review of it, but I watched most of Beyonce's homecoming, which is as comfort food as movies get for me <laughs> lately. But yeah, then it was just a lot of waiting and checking and kind of being like, okay, I think this is going our way because mm-hmm. of how, because of how, yeah, the news just kept progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kept kind of steadily going into Biden's favor as all the votes were counted. Um, but yeah, it's just still kind of nervous and waiting for it to, uh, to go our way. Here's a funny moment. Um, yeah. On Saturday around 10 AM is when they called it officially. Colette had a, uh, gone out to get some some medicine for our, our sick little dog mm-hmm. and to get some coffee for herself. And I was listening to the Flophouse podcast uh, with earbuds and I had gone into the bathroom. I was, I hate to be vulgar, but I was literally on the toilet um, while I got a phone call from Colette and she goes, can't you hear that screaming? <laughs> and I go, I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear anything. I was like, I didn't hear anything. I was just, I was, I was listening to, to three other film dorks talk about <laughs> Men in Black International, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so then I unplugged my ears and turned on the news and was like, oh my god! And then we just opened our windows and started cheering and honk and playing celebration and fuck Donald Trump over and over again. So, mm-hmm. Andy. How's wedding watch going? God, I love you, Sam. Um, we're still engaged. In fact, uh, the engagement ring that I had to get replaced mm-hmm. came back this week, so Woo! I got to repropose to Colette on Thursday, and that that was fun. Was it like in a was it in an envelope, like a, a mail? It was in, or a, like in a package. It was in a package. It was oh. in a uh, it was in a UPS package, and uh, yeah, I like. Like your typical UPS package, stuffed to the gills because it's a ring. <laughs> so there's like all this stuff inside of it to kick it out. But um, yeah, got that got that ring out and videotaped her uh, accepting it again. And it was a uh, it it's it's something I've it's maybe the movie I've watched more times this week than any other movie. Aww. <laughs> all, Aww. all thirty seconds of her going. Ah. <laughs> was it? Uh, did she cry equally as much as the first time? Um, Be honest. No. <laughs> No, she cried more the first time. Um, she's definitely, I think she's more outwardly excited <laughs> to yeah, have the ring back. <laughs> that's fair. She's like, mm, it's so pretty. She Aww. was pointing out the other day, she posted a picture of her uh, new manicure on Facebook just mm-hmm. to kind of show off the manicure. And my dad, who's on Facebook, <laughs> commented, it's like, you're just showing off the engagement ring. <laughs> <laughs> and Colette was like, he's right, but also, damn. <laughs> 
why'd you have to point that out? God damn it, Mr. Mitchell. Why you gotta be why you gotta blow up Colette like that? I don't know. Um he's he's just trying to have fun. Alright, so Sam, let's let's get to the movies. Let's we get watched, to the movie time. Yeah. Um, so as we uh, as we do each week, uh, folks can follow along with us on Letterboxd.com. I'm at Kinetic Android. You are at S Lounsbury. Yep. Sam, what films did you watch this week? Uh, the films I watched this week, Andy, were Death Becomes Her, Haunt, Possession, Hubie Halloween, Shivers, Rabid, The Brood. Mid nineties and Chud. Nice. I logged the following films uh, in short subjects: uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, Little Red Walking Hood. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, David Burns' True Stories. David Burns' American Utopia. Mm-hmm. Duck Soup, uh, as previously mentioned. Homecoming, a film by Beyonce. Tarsum's The Fall. Um, I, I didn't finish Sarah Cooper's everything's fine special. Um, the 40 year old version, uh, the Bratz movie, daughters of the dust, Dune, Nausicaa of of the Valley of the wind and Borat subsequent movie film. (laughs) All right. Once again, I forgot to bring a real coin. So I'm going to random.org to go ahead and. Make it flip, Sam. Yeah, as always, you are the guest, so you get to call it heads or tails. Tails. Oh, and it's heads, which means I get to pick who goes first. Um, and I will go first and make you choose. All right. So, Sam, okay. out of okay. all the films you just mentioned. Okay. Um, so sometimes we like to play this where you have to uh, fuck, marry, kill your what your highest rated films. Last week I did the uh, did the fuck, very mean, very Halloween really mean. Ranky thing of giving me the lowest ranking films I yeah. had seen. Yeah. So this this week I'm going straight down the middle. I'm very I'm three, like, I'm very scared right now. I'm all, gripping all, the table. All right? things you've rated three stars, one of which I've seen, oh, God, two it. of which I'm curious about. Um, okay. Yeah. So I would like you to fuck, marry, kill. Uh, mid nineties. <laughs> Death becomes her. Oh no! And rabid. Uh, oh man! <laughs> All right. Well, this will be easy. Oh, uh, good. First film I will bang. I will politely bang with <laughs> with a curtsy. What? Uh, is mid nineties? Yeah. Uh, in 2018, directed by Jonah Hill. It's uh, the the one I've seen. The one you've seen. <laughs> Uh, it's the directorial debut of uh, Super Bad star, uh, mm-hmm. Jonah Hill. It's about a lonely boy who begins to spend time with a group of older skateboarders. Uh, it's in the 1990s in Los Angeles, and it's fine. It's literally just a coming-of-age story that's beautifully shot. It uses it has some really good performances by, uh, the, by non-professional actors. Mm-hmm. It's spiritually a successor of Larry Clark's Kids. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that film. I, I'm not. I still haven't seen that, but I know... I, I remember when this movie came out and, and Jonah Hill was being interviewed on, I think, Fresh Air. He cited kids as being like a very meaningful, momentous film in his life, like something that really changed him. Oh, that sh- it shows in this film because it's, mm. it's very... Uh, totally, it's in the same ballpark as kids, although I think uh, mid-90s is a little bit warmer and it has way less... 
it's less pessimistic than that previous film was. I, I can imagine based on the little I know about kids. Yeah, it's it's very uh, kids is very harsh and very uh, mean. It has a very like dark outlook on the rest of the children. <laughs> oh gosh. And and uh, Midnight's it has a very like warm embrace and like it's supposedly a critique on masculinity during that time. I couldn't see it that as that. It yeah. Just, yeah. It just like a. It just seemed like a coming of age story it's a good question i don't know if the movie quite answers compelling enough of whether like depiction is endorsement or critique like what yeah. is about it's like what is it about this that's really critiquing it but yeah um yeah i thought it looked good and was definitely an interesting effort and would be uh it's it would be interesting to see what else jonah hill does because that was the other thing about the interview too he kind of like talked about how he really wanted to be a director from like day one and then yeah. just kind of like stumbled into movie stardom. Yeah. I mean, in a way I do kind of hope this is, and I mean this in a positive term. I hope this is his worst film uh, yeah. in his directorial canon. Uh, it definitely has a lot of promise. He's definitely avoiding all the pitfalls of first time directing of being stylish or make like being really loud. Yeah. And I think that it's a very unique perspective for a first time filmmaker. Uh, I also, there's there's also an element in this film that like, I know the actor is the main lead. Uh, it's played by Sonny Solzhik. I apologize for the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Is almost too young looking. Like he hmm. looks like a much. I know he's supposed to be 12, 13 in this movie. Oh yeah, he looks way. He looks like than eight that. or ten in this film, and he's just like every time you see him like, like get hurt or like kind of get kind of yelling or like be showing his aggression. Yeah, it's like shocking because he's like a very like small child yeah <laughs> it's like it's i'm not sure if that was the intended purpose but like it's it definitely took me a little bit out <laughs> yeah i i i totally hear you i had such a hard time scoring like this is a teenager he looks like such a baby it also plays really shockingly into when they get into a sexual situation with oh yeah another, with another uh oh, yeah. equally weird age child person mm-hmm. and i'm just like this is uncomfortable. It took me out of the movie immediately out in not a like, like, Oh, this is purposely done. It's like, Oh, this is uh, why is this scene in here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he'd be like, honesty, man, growing up. But yeah, it's I don't. Like, so out of rabid and death becomes her, what are you marrying? I mean, it has to be rabid. Uh, I'm marrying rabid out of sheer. I kind of knew that. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the second directorial, Featured by David Cronenberg. I kind of went through a, a binge watching phase of him. I just kind of like said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try to give this Cronenberg guy a, a shot. <laughs> and I did. Uh, it's, it's uh, a story of a young woman who like every other person out there, Andy, f- like after they get into a huge uh, motorcycle accident, they go into surgery for plastic surgery to repair their, repair their skins and uh, mm-hmm. end up getting an an experimental plastic surgery that <laughs> like <laughs> develops her to have a taste for blood and make and make <laughs> and, and turn anyone that she bites or infects into a mindless zombie sure tale as old as time tale as old as time uh, it's I found this film uh, very accidentally timely yeah interesting uh, because it, this film and the film shivers which is I think a more openly transgressive film. Okay. Uh, Rabbit is a little bit more conventional and it's like zombie storytelling. Um, but hmm. 
they they're both films about outbreaks in in isolated and uh, growing it spreading it. Uh, they're both entirely too timely for this pandemic era, which I am living through. <laughs> so I couldn't help but like see the like fear of intimacy and fear in humanity, and like just what happens if a if a disease like this actually occurs. <laughs> Oh Which boy. it actually has now. <laughs> well, no one's eating their flesh yet. No one's eating their flesh. And unlike Shivers, uh, no one's g- going, turning into a sex crazy zombie. <laughs> uh, but this, it's a standard zombie film. It's uh, a standard. It's a standard, uh, <laughs> standard zombie film. Uh, okay. It, it really is just, um, you kind of see this being a director working in a commercial film. Like mm. an experimental filmmaker or a more personal filmmaker like David Cronenberg, trying to like figure out the system in a way that he can make money doing this. I see. In a way, and it's he creates some really interesting set pieces in this in this film. Like there's a and I think there's a really good lead performance here by Marilyn Chambers mm-hmm. as the infected uh, as the main infected, the patient zero, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're amazing in it. Uh, I, I was kind of sad to hear their story after this did not end up so well. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, they, I'll look that up later and cry. Yeah, it's it's real shame. I wait. I think I already do know the story actually because I think this got referenced in another thing. So I'll look it up again and cry. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. worth saying Either way, out loud. Cry, cry you want. Um, I'm in touch with my emotions, you guys. You are you are Jonah Hill. Uh, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just a fair, it's just a nice little zombie movie that. Well, it sounds like too, like given the past few weeks, uh, we've we've met and talked movies. I've kind of gone uh, over the moon for some of Cronenberg's more well known, yeah, more popular movies. It's and kind that, of that actually inspired me to me going through the episodes this week and like getting edit notes. I was inspired by your praise of this, of your oh. praise of all of the. Cronenberg films and well you're welcome yeah thank you so much uh, <laughs> I mean they are they all evolve perpetually but like it yeah it's just a normal one so is there do you have any regrets in killing death becomes her not at all uh wow. I mean like it's a body horror comedy about three unlikable people who are <laughs> obsessed with with plastic surgery and like they're they're wanting to look younger and be younger they actually sell their souls to the devil and try to gain immortality. Huh? It's, it, it is, I, I use the word unlikable that I, I should rephrase that. I actually don't care if a character is unlikable as long as they're compelling. Sure. But this film is, uh, neither. Uh, <laughs> like it's Meryl Streep. Uh, I believe Sissy Spade. Uh, I got it. Yeah. So you got you got Meryl, Meryl Streep, Bruce Gold, Willis, Goldie Hawn, Goldie Hawn. Yes, the other one was Goldie Hawn, and uh, Isabella Rossellini. Isabella Rossellini and and uh, a very and a very young Bruce Willis. Uh, they're all actors that are playing much older parts. They hmm. sometimes uh, jokingly, I think, because they have like obvious old makeup on, and like Meryl <laughs> Streep is playing someone that is like thirty. She's 38 in the movie. She's playing someone that's like 56. And it's like, it's Meryl Streep is giving a very bombastic performance. And like, mm. she is fun to see, but like, it's still, I found every character in it, in it to be so inhumanly grotesque, mm. like just their personalities that I couldn't really watch it that much for any enjoyment out of just 
remembering that this was a film that we had seen in the early nineties. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely not a, it's, it, it doesn't warrant any rewatch or any merit beyond that yeah. outside of, I guess, seeing Bruce Willis give a very human performance, which is very new, I guess now <laughs> and where we're seeing dead eyed, like self-assured Bruce Willis, like action hero yeah guy it's it's fun to see like oh he used to act back in the day <laughs> well andy yes. uh your turn yes what what shall i be fucking marrying and or killing uh andy uh, i was about to give you a middle road down the line that's what i tried to do and then i uh i heard you i totally forgot that brat's movie was one of the movies you watched <laughs> so i erased one of the movies out <laughs> i wrote down i'm so glad so, andy the movies you have to f- fuck mary kill this time are uh-huh. brat's the movie mm-hmm. halloween and david lynch's dune this is easy fuck you <laughs> <laughs> I, is so... wait how is it easy okay no 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 how Here's... is it easy like what do i fuck fuck mary kill brats the movie dune or halloween okay now that i think about it for a couple more seconds i understand i understand i understand i understand the trap you've set for me <laughs> yes yes um... Andy. you have to marry john carpenter <laughs> But also, was that the first time you'd seen Halloween? Or no, no, that oh, was the wow. second okay. time I'd seen Halloween. Okay. Um, and that was our that was our true Halloween night uh, film that Colette and I watched. She had never actually seen Halloween, the original. At least she thought she had. Um, mm-hmm. But then, as it played, she's like, "Oh no, I've." She she confused. I mean, she's seen a lot more classic horror than I have, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But I think she oh, wow. was more or less reminiscing like, oh, I think actually the one I watched when I was young was like probably H2O. Oh. <laughs> yeah, take that, Colette. <laughs> Listen to Sam laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't hear him. But way off in the distance, we could hear Colette just go, fuck you, Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, Colette. Colette, I'm so sorry for laughing at you. Um, but H2O is a film I haven't even seen. Okay, so I've, I've, uh, uh, you're right. This is this is hard to say. Because um, wait, I, I totally f- forgot. Did you finish Bratz the movie? Yes, and here's, I know, I know the trap you've set for me, and I don't appreciate it. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna fall for it anyway. I'm going to fuck the movie Bratz. And I know that's what? a terrible thing to oh say. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, oh, and I hate saying it out loud, too, because it's a fucking movie about high school girls. and just like, that's fucking. St- hey, I didn't do the same thing about mid-90s, buddy. Oh, man. It's, you have to use that ringtone for the rest of your life. Here's the thing. Yes. I, I had no intention of watching Bratz until the Flophouse on Wednesday of oh, this no. past week, we are, by the way, taping this on, in case it wasn't apparent, Sunday, November 8th, 2020. So The year in our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on Wednesday, the day after the election, the Flophouse podcast, the, like my favorite bad movie podcast, put out a bonus episode, which was basically audio recording of them doing like a live commentary MST3K style riff of the Bratz movie. And they said, like, here, here's something that might help take your mind off election news. And, yeah, I just had the thought that, (laughs) you know, it might be fun because Bratz was on Netflix. (laughs) So I thought it might be fun to just watch 
this terrible movie with uh, this commentary over it. And it started to make me wonder, like, does that mean I can glog any movie I've watched uh, via Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode? I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we'll, maybe we'll, we'll debate get... that. We'll get in the Supreme Court and film spotting and talk about so, this. But I don't know. I thought, I thought this should... This should count. Um, so I did. I watched all of the Bratz movie, and with the commentary and with the what the Bratz movie truly is, mm-hmm. it was it was a hilarious experience. Okay, okay. It was a deliriously stupid experience. Okay, yeah, I, this, I understand the feeling. Yeah. I mean, if we're being entirely honest, probably if I hadn't watched it with a commentary, it would have been an easy kill. But <laughs> because it's so. It's so fucking great. It's I was I was thinking about like God. I I do hope like Sam brings this up because I got my own cats to talk about. Now. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. The, I you're gonna fuck this movie and you're not if, gonna like it. I mean, just just for like the wide-eyed. Oh my God, let me tell you how stupid this movie is. Joy you can get from watching oh, it. Yes. It's yes. Granted, you must watch this if you watch this with like friends who are okay with talking over it and making fun of it because it's it's such it's it's a movie about four high school friends who are best friends who mostly just shop and wear makeup um based on this line of dolls in a, marketed to like eight to 12 year old girls i was gonna say do any of the characters suffer from elephantitis because like just to like explain the huge heads at the... that that does not come up in the movie but john void is in it and he looks weird oh no <laughs> um Anyway, it starts off with them uh, in in uh, in uh, freshman year of high school at this school that makes no sense and has no basis in reality. Like, take your high school that you might find in like a Disney Channel or Nickelodeon yeah. show, but even heighten that further to make it weirdly like more like a prison on acid. Oh God! Um, it's 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 called Carrie Nation High School, which on one level it's like someone wrote this thinking this was like a clever joke for adults, but like there's a there's a contest where people get like axes because of Carrie Nation was like an early uh, anti. Uh, uh, anti-alcohol, um, like someone who was pro- uh, a proponent of the abolition of alcohol in the 21st oh, okay, Amendment okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Prohibition, and she would go to saloons and, like, destroy them with an axe. <laughs> um, That's amazing. Sub-recommendation, sub watch the uh, Ken Burns documentary on Prohibition. It's, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> but... To get... So, 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 so the brats, so the brats get to uh, get to high school, and they're immediately like uh, portioned off into various other like school-related cliques. Mm-hmm. The school has, of course, your goth clique, yep. your jock clique, yep. um, your nerd clique. Yep. It has dinosaur kid clique. Wait, what? <laughs> There's yoga kid clique. Oh my god, I want to be part of dinosaur kid clique. Yeah, it's it's it's. There's the the main villain who's like the daughter of the of Principal John Voigt is like wants everyone to be in their aligned group for some reason it's not really explained why other than just like whatever power she gets um from it and the brats go to their uh separate uh social circles uh and then don't be and then aren't friends and then like 20 minutes into the movie there's like a title card that says two years later (laughs) like we do a two year later time jump and like basically this movie how long into this movie are you in uh like 25 minutes (laughs) it's it is it is in Flophouse parlance. It is a model of like a good bad movie. Like it is deliriously stupid. Its message is abhorrent. It's just like 
all consumerism and yeah. and like targeting of young girls to be like interested in like spending money and being interested in fashion and like looking good like even though it's supposed to be like the message is supposed to be yourself but really yourself is like like one of these brats girls <laughs> there's like a hot like high school guy who's like he's deaf but he talks completely normally and then he's a becomes a dj somehow yeah. wait <laughs> Yeah. See, see, now you get it. Wait. Now you're thinking what? like, hold on. He, what? How is he able to tell? Because he can feel the music through the speakers. That's not how music works, Andy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sam has gotten up from the table. His hands, his oh, hands are you, over his face. You can't even. Rick Rubin can't even think that shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, I, I'm sorry for getting, like, emotional about this, <laughs> about the Bratz movie, but that's not possible. Oh, boy. I, I, this I, is exactly the reaction I wanted. <laughs> I've watched this movie a thousand times now. That's, and this is, this is the thing. If I was, like, truly rating the movie on its merits, if I was one of these poor, like, middle-aged white film critics who had to probably watch it the first time in 2000 and, what, seven is when it came out? Yes. It doesn't matter. I, it would have been like, outdated. what is this? This is this is, this is is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and I, I, I have contempt for it. I'll give it a one star out of five. But while watching it post-election, while a recording of three other goofballs like us yeah, yeah, yeah. make jokes and riff at it, and, like, and even like you can hear the audience laughing. Like not only are they laughing at like what they're saying, but they're laughing at just other things that happen in the movie. It's like not just jokes, but just like weird takes and <laughs> one one line. I'm gonna butcher this, but Go one line it. that gets quoted a lot is just like when we first meet our deaf hunk. He's yeah. like, oh, I didn't know you were <laughs> deaf, and he goes like, Oh, I didn't know you were ignorant, but I guess you can't judge a book, right? And it's like, Oh shit! <laughs> it's I don't know. The point is at. It was definitely a three. Uh, it was definitely an experience I would do again, and a movie is like I want to watch this again with other people, just to be like, "Hey, do you want to watch a fucking ridiculous bad movie?" Uh, I hey, the, while the weather's still nice, uh, I still have the sheet and uh, the, the projector, projector outside. Let's let's schedule a time. Let's uh, we might we might have to do that. Um, and we then might, hate, I we know, might annoy our neighbors a lot. Cats but. and cats and brats. Cats and brats. Oh man, let's what open a, a let's what open a double a feature restaurant. Maybe that. <laughs> All right. So you you trapped me and yeah. I, I appreciate it. So now obviously You gotta marry um, based, something. Based you gotta on marry rating, Dune. You gotta marry Dune. On <laughs> This is just a, a non starter, Andy. John Carpenter's Halloween obviously <laughs> is one of the one of the great scary movies. The first time I watched it two years ago, I was enthralled and actually amazed by how much I was like unnerved and scared mm. by it. I, I only rated it slightly less because second time around, I kind of, uh, I felt like, oh, I think I see the seams a bit more. It felt a little mm. more like, maybe it was because I was I was watching it with Colette and Colette is great at being able to diffuse the tension of yeah. horror movies by doing that that thing people do by saying like, oh, she's gonna die. Yep. It's like, why are you doing it? Like talking at the screen. Keys, um, I need keys, <laughs> I'm gonna die. <laughs> That entire. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's the that's when Annie dies. Oh, sure, yeah. sure. Yep, that is a. I, I don't know. I think the other thing we were joking about too oh. is like, why is Annie their friend? Like, I, <laughs> Annie seems like a real sarcastic, just kind of mean person. <laughs> I, I was watching that too. This was the 
first time I'd seen the movie, like, I mean, this is like, it's not the first time I'd seen it, but like, it's the first time I'd seen it this year. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it like countless times, but like, I always forget how much of a dick Annie is. <laughs> and just like, why is anyone, I had the same out loud thought when she was like, just being a dick to Lori when she said, yeah. oh, Lori, you scared another one away. I was like, why are you friends with her? Yeah, Lori, have a have some have some dignity for yourself. Have some respect. That's it. That's it. Of course, I think it's still you know a standout masterpiece of the genre, yeah. and it's like so influential. And again, it's still like it's still unnerving. The thing that no one really told me was that the thing about Halloween is like Michael Myers is always there. Oh yeah. Like the first time I was like him in broad daylight, like going around the corner and then sneaking around mm-hmm. back and like, like watching or like watching Lori through her window while still wearing that mask. Like that's the creepiest fucking thing. You um, just hear like them, like his breathing the entire time. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's the one you got to marry. Cause also it, it's, it was nice to watch on Halloween proper Yeah. on this, uh, very strange year. Well, that leaves us then with the film I'm going to kill. And I have no compunction about killing Dune by David Lynch. I, I am so excited to hear you talk about this. Cause I have, that's probably the one like early David Lynch film that I've not seen. Mm. Um, and I'm a <laughs> now, <laughs> I have <laughs> it's used for pep- preparation of like a, a doctor about to give like a thesis mm, statement. Yes. Um, let the, let the record show. I, so I'm not also a David Lynch complete there's a lot of his, I haven't seen. Um, and among which his two previous, uh, feature films, uh, I still haven't seen Eraserhead. Uh, I'm going to watch the elephant man eventually. Cause it's uh, yeah. again on that film spotting madness list. But Dune was coming up. Stop. Apologies if I've already said this on the podcast, but I've mentioned that or this specifically, but I had a terrible first impression with David Lynch. And that first impression was Dune. I watched it at a friend's apartment in like the late 2000s on their laser disc player, because <laughs> that's the kind of friends I have. Um, shout out to you, Ken. Um <laughs> God bless you, had, you. you had Ken Burns as a friend? Yeah. <laughs> After this, do you make you watch the first nine hours of baseball? <laughs> what? That's why we're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the time, I thought the movie was just really boring. And uh, I thought it made absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. And given how I've become a much bigger appreciator of David Burns through Mulholland Drive. You mean David Lynch. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's David Burns? <laughs> um, yeah, I've become a much bigger David Lynch fan through Mulholland Drive, through the Twin Peaks show, uh, and uh, actually re- reappreciating Blue Velvet. I was hoping for to watch a kind of like, all right, there will be flaws in this, but there will be other moments that I will enjoy. Unfortunately... <laughs> I, uh, it, it's not a good movie. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, there's some nifty production design, certainly. Yeah. Um, some cool, like Lynchian, like gross out creatures that like, I'm sure he had fun coming up with or like helping like bring to life. Mm-hmm. But my God, the story that it tells is so like, is so grandiose and leaden without any kind of like, the levity or like the fast paced punch of like a good space opera. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
like like a Star Wars series or even like the Battlestar Galactica uh, sci-fi channel reboot show. Like, mm-hmm. which like that wasn't like a laugh a minute, that show, but at least that had like some like high stakes and really like immediate life or death situations. This just kind of plodded along. <laughs> it wasn't that it was um, hard to understand. Mm-hmm. I felt like watching it's like, oh, I get it. It's, it's your typical like Joseph Campbell messiah myth yeah. type thing. He's like young man, uh, Paul Atreides, um, <laughs> who's a gifted young person who's going to the planet of Arrakis or Dune to manage the spice mining because spice is important. But then there's a betrayal from another family and he has to go on a hero's journey to come back and save the Fremen, the native people of this planet. Okay. Uh, whilst harnessing uh, the spice and the sandworms who um, live in the planet of Dune. See, this is all fine. Like you get, yeah. you could, you could probably make a cool, exciting thing out of it. And they, that's not what happens. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it just like, do you think it might be held back by the period? Like it's the eighties. So it's hard to actually visualize everything that they could have made with it. Especially That's, knowing that there's a twenty, there was a twenty twenty remake coming out yeah. this year until it was rescheduled for the following year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more curious. I'm curious, but after this, also kind of like more cautious about like why do we need to do this? Because <laughs> I'm sure there are bigger Dune fans out there, and I bet the book might be more compelling or interesting. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you're the kind of person who enjoys like deep immersive world with a lot of moving parts, like kind of like a Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth type situation. I can get why Dune has some appeal to that, that level of nerd. I'd be curious to see how it's translated by Denis Villeneuve next year. I th- do. I think it was the, the a problem with the time only in so far that I felt like some of the action, like some of the special effects don't hold up as mm. well. There's a lot of like back matted screens oh, where like yeah. <laughs> there's like, you know, you could tell like they're in a cave and like a sandworm's coming, but like that's just a back mat. That's a screen. <laughs> There's like no dimension to that like image coming at them. I think what it is is it's it's Josh Larson made I think a good point in his like online review that it seems to be holding to like he made a comment like between when it be, when it's a battle between an author and genre genre demands tend to win out sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like there was a story that was taken way too seriously and treated with way too much pomp and circumstance. It isn't even like over the top enough to be like campy. Maybe like a couple, some people have like images and moments here or there stings in it. Um, (laughs) How, and there's a sting in it. Fine. I guess. Sting worthy performance. I mean, I I prefer Ghost in the Machine, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it was too... The plot itself was too leaden, too... Uh, just lacking in momentum. And, like, even Kyle MacLachlan, who's I think is, you know, great in, like, Blue Velvet and Twin Peaks and in various other things, is just, like... Yeah, I, it just isn't cast right, or I think maybe the script isn't mm. quite what it needs to be. And I felt okay giving it a lower rating, too, because I know that, like... I was thinking like, but am I being like mean to David Lynch? Like, was he in over his head at this point? Was this just like, I, I'd be curious to almost like do a kind of another marathon, like through David Lynch, like going chronologically and thinking like, so where was he at this time in his life? Cause he just made 
you know, it took him several years to get a racer head out. Yeah. And then he gets some Oscar buzz for uh, the Elephant Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he goes on this big budget um, pseudo Star Wars thing yeah. that the studios, I guess, were really hoping was going to be like a big thing. And a, big, Wiki- a big franchise. Yeah. yeah. I think Wikipedia had a quote from like Virginia Madsen, who's in like the beginning doing kind of like a prologue of like, here's all the things you need to know about yeah. Dune. And she said, like, I signed on for, like, three movies. Like, the studio thought this was going to be a big deal. Oh, no. And that that didn't happen when the movie flopped financially. Well, um, when, but, like, when, David Lynch has disowned it, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's he been on par. I think, like, you can't even see, like, his embarrassment a little bit with his following film, Blue Velvet. Because mm. it seems like he definitely doubles down on what he knows. And, like, he doubled down, like, yeah. look, I tried my hand at making money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to try to go like get super weird with it. And that's the, that was the it thing. Was a I, choice, I think. See, that was the thing too. I, I want, which it made me want to be again, more familiar and more completely familiar with the films of David Lynch to kind of know like how much of an anomaly is this? And then like, maybe if I watch everything else and then come back to Dune, God help me a third time. <laughs> oh God. I'll just, be there with that third time. Happens. Just to wonder like, you know, is this like, was this an anomaly that like him trying to like, trying to level up career wise or what did he, did there's, is there something that maybe like other movies you could see where like, oh, I could see what interested him and it just was a, a botched effort. I think like, I kind of take his word for it that like there are too many cooks in the kitchen and there are too many demands from the competing interests with the Dune storyline and the producers for what kind of movie they wanted and he didn't get final cut. Oh, um, yep. The movie was also supposed to be like super long too. Like his initial script, I think was like, would have put the movie somewhere between like three and four hours, which I don't know. I don't know, man. So Sam, now that we've played film, Mary kill, let me ask you, is there um, a film that you uh, wish I had asked uh, about so that you could uh, propose to it right now? I think I know based on your ratings, but let's, uh, let me ask you about the brood. Oh, I was gonna talk about Hubie Halloween. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna marry that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five stars, Andy. Uh, we'll talk about that later because that's no. one of the that's another movie you you and I have both seen. So, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the brood. I led up to. Uh, I talked a little bit about David Cronenberg with Shivers and um, Rabbit. Uh, his two efforts to make commercially successful work. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a quote actually that came with Shivers. There was a retrospective written on RogerEber.com uh, that Shivers is the kind of film that practically writes its own thesis paper on itself. <laughs> and I think that's applicable to all of David Cronenberg's work a little bit. It's huh. it's fil- he fills up his films with so much symbolism, so much uh, psychological turmoil, and so much like just like. Uh, psychology in general that it's hard to it, you can kind of like write and it kind of write multiple perspectives from this thing hmm. but the prude I, the brood is like if the first two efforts shivers and rapid were films that were him trying to figure out how to write and direct a commercially figure commercial feature uh, the brood is him finding his personal voice in that he's he, it really is a it's a story about a man who tries to uncover unconventional therapy techniques on his wife who is institutionalized and Hmm. 
it it spirals into a series of brutal murders. Oh jeez. Yes. Uh, it's being described. He David Cronenberg's been on on the record by saying it's his take on Kramer versus Kramer, huh. but if it's a far more realistic, uh, it's very, it's, it's a divorce, it's divorce fears made realized where you are sharing custody with your child and you don't, you're coming to the, and they're coming to their, that age where it's hard for them not to like everything to be soaked in, especially mm-hmm. when it's something as, uh, something as public and something as tumultuous as a, as an ugly divorces. Like it plays yeah. with the traumatization of, children whether we meet it or not and it it really is um traumatizing in its own right just by <laughs> just by like how gross it gets and how like um well it's Cronenberg it's Cronenberg yeah but like it's it's also like what I've seen try to start it start watching it two other times before I actually finish this one and I had to yeah. build myself up to it and I had to build myself up to the pace of Cronenberg's work to like get sunk into it, it seems okay. like, because it seemed like there does seem to be a pattern of a lot of like emotionally fucked up things leading up to physically fucked up things. Oh boy, let's. Which, uh, yeah. Which, well, I, I forgive me then for maybe delaying watching that sometime. Oh, it's. I mean, it's amazing. It's really uh, quite beautiful work. But I understand if you do not want to see it. Not, it is. Not right now, not this second. No, um, yeah. Speaking of divorce and emotional fucked upness, yeah. can we talk about Possession? Oh yeah, that was a film I was gonna. I borrowed from you last week, and that was a film I was gonna. I was gonna fuck if I had to. Ah yes. Uh, um, let's talk about Possession. So what'd you think of Possession? Um, you, uh, what was Possession? <laughs> possession is a film it, it, it is, by... I'm glad An- you have to look at the box to describe it. Andres you own this film and you've seen it before. Zulowski um, from 1981. It does not give you a good synopsis on the back at no, all. No, it does not. But it's a movie that stars Sam Neill and another woman whose name I can't say off the top of my head um, as a... A divorcing couple, I believe. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> him try and him, Sam Neill, trying to figure out what it happened in this relationship. Uh, but is it that? Like, is it also that? I'm sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What do you, do you doubt it? I I doubt it a little bit because I was wondering whether or not Sam Neill was also inhuman. Hmm. Like if he was a person pretending to be a person, I don't know. Interesting. There's there's a lot of strange, like, uh, performances throughout this film that like, yes, it's a very strange performance movie. Um, Isabella, I'm sorry, Isabel Adjani. That's a, that's the actress who they are giving an amazing performance. Like, oh man, they, they all like, I text you this while I was watching it. I was like, how did no one win an award for the most acting in this film? Because <laughs> everyone is get, the entire ensemble is like, whether they're good performances, they are giving the most acting. <laughs> they are performing the most. I mean, I mean, it, when you're uh, when you're having that weird rising moment in that subway tunnel <laughs> with I'm, your gra- groceries, I mean, that's that's something, all right. Oh boy, it's I don't know. It it was such a bizarre crazy harrowing movie uh oh, it is it's it's harrowing in uh, multiple ways yeah i mean i love the i love how it's like it's one of those movies that accidentally is every movie 
Uh, like mm. it's a romance. It's an action movie at some points. It's a horror <laughs> movie at a lot of times. It's an emotional drama. It's whatever you want it to be. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's so, I was kind of just slack jawed and amazed by that. And, but like whether you could, whether I have any understanding of what the movie is about or to give you a fair synopsis is an entirely different matter. I can't, I cannot <laughs> tell you what he was going for in this. Yeah. I, I think I'm into that last week. I didn't quite understand the ending per se. Like I couldn't tell you like what Pink happened socks, and man. why. Pink um, socks. What do they mean? <laughs> but, um, you know, it's still, it's something that I would want to watch again, perhaps next Halloween or yep. maybe sooner. Who knows? Um, let, let me ask you about another uh, movie that we both watched then too. So, um, yes. Tell me, tell me your theories on Hubie Halloween. Oh, theories? <laughs> oh, I actually wrote. I got really into it. Wow. Uh, it was. Yeah, I watched it on Wednesday during the point of the election coverage, and I even wrote in my review that at least it wasn't that. <laughs> um, it. I for a very long time in Hubie Halloween. I thought it was a purpose. I thought it was a punk rock film. What? <laughs> because I thought it was purposely so dumb. It was like a parody of an Adam Sandler comedy. <laughs> like it was like, there's so many obvious and just, there's so many Adam Sandler comedy tropes in this movie that I was like, Oh, he knows this is dumb. Right. <laughs> and then it becomes very aware. Oh no, he doesn't. And then it's just like, Oh, this is, it's not fun at all. I thought it was him like saying "fuck you" to the Academy for him ignoring his uncut gems nomination. I that that is the theory that has gone around, but uh, it's not, and it's bad. Uh, I mean, it, I I was gonna give it two stars, but then I realized there are two star films that I respect. <laughs> wow! Uh, and I lowered it even then. Uh, um, it was take that. It was just not it. It strangled jo- laughs from me. <laughs> like there, it, it's, it's filled with so much talent it and so strangled much, laughs. Wow. It, like I couldn't help, but like, fu- like I'm going to find something's funny in it, mm-hmm. but it, it, it was embarrassing throughout all of it. Wow. Andy, how did you feel about your viewing? Of it? Oh yeah. I, I thought it was, I thought it was quite stupid. Um, <laughs> And the Julie Bowen romantic. Yeah. Just comes out of nowhere. It's I so weird. I mean, I did laugh at certain moments. Um, I laughed at June squib. Oh um, yeah. All and her just dumb like shirts. her, all her dumb shirts and her obliviousness of them. I um, think a boner is something that you don't mean to do. It's a mistake, right? <laughs> like that film. Um, <laughs> I, I thought Maya Rudolph was kind of wasted, which is weird because like she's such a treasure. She is um, a national treasure. Um, I yeah, it just was. I don't. I watched it and I like almost gave up on it. Like twenty minutes in, it's like this isn't going to be good. Yeah. Uh, you can you can you can pretty much tell. But for some reason, I just like kept it on and kept going and I kept going while also thinking like you know, you know, it'd be great that like there was that function that. Netflix said it was putting out that I think it's on, I think it's on my app now where like you could speed up 
the pace of a movie yeah. or like it's like it's a podcast it's like this would be fine for this like just to say i got through but just so it takes less time out of my life it would be like 45 <laughs> minutes of anger as opposed to an hour and 40 minutes of anger. <laughs> um but yeah there's yeah. not much there's there's not much to talk about it other than like the weird <laughs> the weird uh like apologetic quality that i guess some people have given like to be like hey you know pubie halloween's like not as bad as some of the other adam stanley movies like what a what a standard we're giving it it seems like yeah you're when your argument is like it's tastier trash than the other trash it's definitely not could be worse could be worse it could be sandy wexler (laughs) uh but yeah like it's what did you think of the third act where it was basically like forcing itself to like turn into the third act. <laughs> they all like have to take turns so that everyone is just like saying nice things to Hubie. Oh <laughs> man. I loved like how some of them were just so laughably bad. Yeah. Like, Maya Rudolph's was just like, uh, Hubie. I've never been sexually satisfied in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And every time I look at Hubie, I'm like, man, he's never gotten laid. He never knows sadness. And I'm like, God damn it, movie. That's not an argument. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wish at, at that point I was just like going like, great. Just end, just end. Let's get to the bloops. Let's get to the bloops. And the bloop credits that don't even satisfy that. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah. it, it was just, um, yeah, it's not worth talking about anymore. That's for yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's not talk about it. Uh, Andy, uh, uh, what were some of the films that you wanted that you saw that you wanted to film, marry, or kill? I feel like I have an idea of what you would have married. Um, you do? Um, I, there's there's a couple options. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure, sure. I think I'm I'm guessing you're probably torn between uh, David Burns' American Utopia and David or, Burns' uh, or, or True Stories or um, uh, The Fall. I actually would marry The oh, Fall. Yeah, the Fall, I, the fall yeah. I think is is great and it's. It's already kind of like a beloved cult film on the internet, and I just want to say I'm now a part of your cult. Um, it, Please tell me, tell me about the fall, Andy. Tarsum's The Fall is a labor of love by this writer director um, film. I think it took him. I think in some interviews he said he spent decades working on it, probably like writing it and conceiving it, and then like years shooting it. Tarsum is. Uh, He's from India. He came to America to study film, and he found some success as a, a, a commercial uh, and music video director. Yeah. He directed the Losing My Religion video for oh. uh, R.E.M. And he got, I think his first uh, major film was the Jennifer Lopez movie, The Cell. A film that I uh, quite like a lot. Oh, it's, cool, cool. It's very fun. It's a very good thriller. Yeah, I want to see it. Um, and after The Cell... He basically was trying to get this picture called The Fall made um, and uh, basically wasn't getting any any traction. So he funded it himself pretty much. I know it's like kind of like the a lot of like liking the movie is also like kind of being enthralled with how it was made and how why it was made. Um, Luckily, like the film backs it up like it's it's about a little girl in a hospital in the 1910s. Um, she's staying there because she has like a broken collarbone mm-hmm. and she befriends this, uh, this guy na- played by Lee Pace, who is treating an injury from a fall he had. They both fell. Um, he's a stunt stuntman of early uh, silent cinema. And he, uh, in, a, in a way to kind of uh, 
trick her into getting her some getting him some more medicine he starts telling her this fantastical fairy tale like story uh and she imagines the story and like all the weird fantasy stuff you see is what essentially you think is uh, the little girl's imagination. And mm-hmm. it's, it's got like elements of Wizard of Oz in which like randos from like oh, the right. hospital are playing the various characters in the story. Um, it's, there's a lot of random references now I'm thinking about and I'm, they're, they're escaping me too, but it's, it's very much a story about storytelling. It's kind of also like a uh, magic of movies kind of movie okay. in that sense, but it is, it is very raw. It's very emotional. It's very visually stunning, and even like where it it feels like patchy and like as if they're making it up as they go along, it kind of still fits the story. Cause like, yeah, this guy's making up the story as he goes <laughs> along, and like the little girl will interrupt him, and so things will get changed and tossed around, and um, it 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 all kind of. Builds this really satisfying emotional climax where you start to kind of realize how like it's basically talking about how storytelling um, can basically both uh, lift you out of your sorrows, but also keep you in a, a cycle of just like self-destruction in a way oh, wow. based on like what story you're telling yourself. Um, and so, yeah, it was I thought it was just. It's it's a I just thought it was stunning and I kind of was just on its wavelength and it, in the same way, like. I talked about like the first Star Wars movie or Evil Dead, like just the notion of like being able to sort of see like, oh, this guy like had to put all his ingenuity mm. and all his craft for like not the most money in the world, all his own money. <laughs> um, he basically would like get, take jobs shooting commercials for like high end clients and then try to get his cast to come to those crazy uh, all over the world locations to film various parts <laughs> of this of this like fantasy adventure. Yeah, and then it took, like, it premiered at Toronto in 2006, but it didn't come out until theaters until, like, 2008 because it also was just, like, a battle for him to get some distribution. And now it's still, like, so rare. Like, it's on, it, it DVD is out of print, so if you look it up on Amazon, it's, like, crazy expensive to get a new one. Wow. I, I found it. Some people, someone, like, commented on Letterboxd about, like, how did I find this movie? And <laughs> tell you what, the Chicago Public Library has eight copies of it. <laughs> so... You know, guys, try your public library. I, I really enjoyed it, and I really look forward to renting it from the library again and telling other people to get it. So, yeah, that's the movie I'm renting this week, if, you know, assuming I hadn't finished, uh, which is – it comes it, – it's it's real win comes from the fact that I didn't technically finish Homecoming, a film by Beyonce, which is a oh. concert film I love. Well, you've seen watch. it, though. You've seen it, though. That's yeah, true. Before. Yeah, I've seen it. I think I've logged it out four times. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's – that does it for does our it for films. Um, yeah. I think that's all I had to ask you. Is there anything you're looking forward to seeing this week? or anything? Oh, oh, anything I'm looking forward to seeing this week. Well, I am going to continue this David Cronenberg uh, filmography watch. I rented scanners from the library, so I'm excited for that to come out. Cool. Uh, but after that, uh, I guess I'm... I, I've, I'm excited to see, most of all, a movie that you talked about, that you, or that something you watched but you didn't talk about, uh, Borat subsequent movie film. Oh yeah, I'll, I will probably I'll, see it sometime this week. I'll save my th- thoughts until you do. Okay. We we watched that just last night. Okay. Oh, uh, I will. I look forward to seeing it. Sweet, sweet. Any, what, is there any films that you want to see? Um, I'm catching catching up on movies that came out in October that weren't horror movies. Uh, mm-hmm. tonight Colette and I want to watch uh, On the Rocks. 
the oh, new nice. Sofia Coppola movie. Uh, I think we also want to see a trial of the Chicago seven eventually. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm probably just going to keep, uh, keep on trying to plow through all those eighties movies that, um, are coming up for film spotting madness. Um, before, before March, I guess starts, which yeah. should be doable. Yeah. All right. Um, with that being said, thanks so much for listening to another episode of film. Film Mary Kill. Kill. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm Sam Lounsbury. You can find me at S Lounsbury on Letterboxd. Uh, and on Twitter too, right? And on Twitter, so you can find me Sam Lounsbury at Twitter bot. Ah, well, uh, oh, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I'm also not on Twitter, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm also on Letterboxd at Kinetic Android. You can email the show at filmmarykill at protonmail.com. Uh, I guess this is a thing people say at podcasts. If you like it, uh, share it, rate share it, it. Rate it. Uh, like, leave like, a give positive us a, review. Leave a negative review. Review us. Give us. I don't feedback. know if I want negative reviews. I do. Okay. I like reading them when I cry. Oh boy. <laughs> we'll talk about that later on. Film. Mary. Kill. Go outside and don't vote. <laughs>